0: Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Merry Christmas. Today, we flip the script. We have Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill here to interview James Collins about how the story of Christmas can change your life.
1: Dr. Jim Rosscup is a professor at the Master's Seminary in Sun Valley, California. Jim was an older man when he got saved. He didn't grow up in a Christian family. He knew very, very little about the Bible when God called him to ministry. When he started as a student at Dallas Theological Seminary, he felt like he was a step behind everyone else. He was very intimidated by the knowledge of his fellow seminary students. One day, Jim felt overwhelmed and sat down with one of his professors, Dr. Howard Hendricks. Jim said, Dr. Hendricks, I feel so overwhelmed and I feel so intimidated. It's all so new. Dr. Hendricks looked at him and said, let's hope it never becomes old. As Christians, I believe it's important for us to remember that lesson, sometimes the greatest truths in the world can become old. Recently, Beacon Street Press published a book that I wrote titled The Nativity, and it's my prayer that those who read The Nativity will understand the Christmas story in a fresh new way. I pray that it will never grow old. Joining me on the program to talk about the nativity is Dr. Kenneth Hill. Now, Dr. Hill operates five radio stations in northeast Tennessee. He has produced hundreds of audio and video programs, spoken in conferences all over the world, and he's written many, many articles and books, including the book, A Classic Christmas, which we're also going to be talking about in this program. In addition to all of that, Dr. Hill is my boss. He's the president of Southwest Radio Ministries. And he's in Tennessee this week on business, so he's joining me by phone. Dr. Hill, welcome back to The Watchman on the Wall.
2: Well, Dr. Collins, <laughs> it is so good to be with you, and it's always a pleasure. I'm not your boss, I'm your co-laborer. So. Well. <laughs> I appreciate your willingness to say that, but let's understand that all of us, serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. I appreciate
1: you saying Dr. Collins. Nobody calls me doctor. I remember when I got my doctorate, I told my wife, she had to call me Dr. Collins. And she said, I will, if you'll call me Mrs. Dr. Collins. And so far, you're the only person there that's called me doctor. So,
2: <laughs> Well, it's good to acknowledge it. When I had received my doctorate, I never asked anybody to call me that. My children started calling me that in public and they then had others say, Oh, he's got his doctorate. You know? <laughs> as if it was something strange, perhaps such as it was. And the Lord has used that. I wondered if the Lord could use a doctorate, but he has. I know in talking with other people that when you put yourself study. God will use not only the study, but the achievement of study, and that's usually some sort of a certificate or some sort of a diploma, and that's what's important. You've been in lots of seminaries, I know, over the years, Yes, sir. and you've had a lot of study, and God uses that, does He not?
1: Amen, He does. You can never learn too much about the Lord, never spend too much time studying about God and His Word. May
2: it always Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's exactly (laughs) Uh right.
1: That's why I wrote this book, The Nativity, to keep the story of Christmas fresh and new and in the forefront.
2: Well, I'm glad you did. I'm excited about the book. I've had a chance just to basically look through it and look at the outline more than anything else. And in it, you have a beautiful presentation. So let's set the stage a little bit. You give some historical background in the first chapter of this book, the Nativity. Tell us about this census that was mentioned in the Bible. The
1: Romans conducted a census basically for two reasons. One was to draft people into the military. The other was for taxation. And since the Jews were exempt from military service, the purpose of the census that we read about in the Bible was to count heads for taxation. 2,000 years ago, Caesar Augustus ordered this census for tax purposes, and that set the people in motion all over the, the world. And That was, the, of course, the sovereign plan of God to get Mary and Joseph to the right place at the right time. Under normal circumstances, Jesus would have been born in Joseph and Mary's hometown of Nazareth. However, since Caesar had this census decreed, Joseph and Mary were descendants of King David. They had to travel down to David's city, Bethlehem, which was located six miles southwest of Jerusalem for this census. And I think the lesson, Dr. Hill, for us to always remember is that God is working. Today, there may be someone listening. They may have many problems in their life, and maybe they prayed about it and asked God to help them, but nothing's happened. And the lesson in the story here is just to relax, keep it in the hands of God. You know, his timing is best. His purposes are perfect. God is working right now, and whatever is going on in your life, stay strong and remember that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. I think that's an important lesson for us. Yes, sir.
2: The nativity is the time of the birth of Christ. And so when we mention nativity we know of the place of the birth of christ being the stable being with all of the various accoutrements of the stable and those that were part of this thing called the nativity but there was the place of the stable that was in bethlehem why was it important to be in bethlehem you mentioned the census bringing them there but why was it important for them to be
1: there you know that question reminds me of a funny story. A teacher once asked her Sunday school class, why was Jesus born in Bethlehem? And a little boy, a precocious little boy raised his hand and replied, because his mother was there. And the answer is, simply, as Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem to fulfill Bible prophecy. The prophet Micah said in Micah 5:2, But thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been foretold from, of old from everlasting. And as I was studying this out, I found something else that was prophetic about the place where Christ was born. Bethlehem means the house of bread. Jesus, the bread of life, was born in the house of bread. Now, the Hebrew word for bread is lechem. The place where Jesus first appeared in bodily form contains the same word that he spoke over the bread that represented his body at the first Lord's supper. But Bethlehem has another name. There were two Bethlehems in Judea at that time. This Bethlehem where Christ was born is Bethlehem Ephratah. Now, Ephratah means fruit of the vine. So the place where Jesus first appeared in bodily form contains the same word that he spoke over the wine that represented his blood at the first Lord's Supper. So Bethlehem Ephratah, the place where Jesus first appeared in flesh and blood, contains the same name of the symbols of his flesh and blood, bread and wine. It's amazing.
2: It is The Lord has a way of putting it all together. Sometimes we can take it apart properly and have here a little, there a little, and know what it all means. Sometimes it takes a little more effort, if you will. For example, let's read Luke chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. I usually preach, when I'm preaching about the birth of Christ, I usually go to Luke because it has such wonderful expression of the truth. Right. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Of course, it's speaking of being in Bethlehem, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Okay, take those. Verses apart for me. Unpack them so we can understand this.
1: There's a lot going on in those two sentences. First of all, notice the Bible says there Mary brought forth her firstborn son. The Bible doesn't say their firstborn son. Jesus Christ is the virgin-born son of God. Joseph was not the father. Second, it speaks of swaddling clothes. Those were long strips of cloth. And I'll talk more about swaddling clothes when we talk about the shepherds. But third, the Bible says Mary laid him in a manger. A manger was a feeding trough that was used for cattle. Most nativity scenes today have a wooden trough for the manger, but that's not historically accurate. They actually used stone mangers. They were cut out of limestone, and they're about 3 feet long, 18 inches wide, about 2 feet deep. And archaeologists today have discovered many, many stone mangers in Israel. Finally, Notice the Bible says there was no room for them in the inn. And this is important. Somebody, somebody sent me an email the other day with this question, Dr. Hill. They said, do you know why Jesus was born in a stable? The answer to the joke was it's because his parents had government health care. Well, that's not really true. But in my mind, Dr. Hill, I always believe that Bethlehem was full of these mean old innkeepers who turned away a poor woman who was about to have a baby until finally Mary and Joseph came to an innkeeper who said they could sleep in the barn. And all my life I kind of had this image of Mary and Joseph running from the Holiday Inn to the Motel 6, from one hotel to another. And that makes for a good story, but as I've studied this out, I found out that's not necessarily the truth. The truth is, Joseph and Mary show up at David's family plot of ground. So everybody who was a descendant of David had seven days to register and pay their taxes in Bethlehem. Now over the centuries, there were many, many, many descendants of David, and Bethlehem was full of people. So Joseph and Mary arrive at their relative's home, and they were turned away by their own family. That word in is the Greek word kataluma, and it's used two other times in the New Testament. Both times it means a guest room in a private home. And we read later When the wise men come to visit, they are staying in the house. Every home had this small little guest room on the front of the house, but when Mary and Joseph arrived, the room was full, so their relatives put them out behind the house in a cave where they kept the animals. God, when he became a man, Jesus Christ, when he was born, spent his first night in a nasty barn. There's something kind of sad about that. There were thousands of people in Bethlehem, because of that decree of Caesar. People had come back and Mary and Joseph found there was no room. And and, Dr. Hill, don't you think a room could have been made available? I mean, what if whoever had answered the knock at the door had said, there's no room here, not even a spot on the floor, but since your wife is having a baby, you can have my room. I will sleep in the barn. But sadly, that didn't happen. Jesus was turned away.
2: Well, it reminds me of what happens in the people's lives that have the opportunity to receive the gift of salvation, but they reject the Christ who has provided it. And so they don't get that salvation that could be theirs. It is something that's provided. It's available, but they choose not to have it. Now, we know that there was no room in this house. There was no room in the inn at this specific time. But is there room in your heart today
1: exactly
2: for Jesus Christ.
1: Back then, Dr. Hill, when Jesus was turned away, I think it was done, sadly, through ignorance. But today, people do the same thing through indifference. Today, our lives are so crowded, there's no room for Jesus.
2: How sad, how very sad. Yeah. The second chapter of your book, the Nativity, you write about the angel. Now, what role did they play in this story?
1: Well, the angels delivered the birth announcement. One of the most famous passages in the Word of God is found in Luke 2.11. That's where the angel tells the shepherds, "...for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord." That is the message of the ages. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, is born... And the word angel as you know dr hill means messenger and these messengers from heaven came to earth to let people know that the moment history had been building toward had arrived the best news that anyone in the world ever received or ever had received god came to earth in the person of jesus christ you know dr hill people who were alive remember where they were when Neil Armstrong set foot on the moon? Do you remember where you were when you first heard that Neil Armstrong set foot on the moon, that man had walked on the moon?
2: Yes, I do. I was seated in front of a television watching the very thing that was going on. I had the opportunity to be there. Now, millions around the world didn't have that opportunity, but we in most of the United States did have, and that was an exciting time.
1: Well, on July 29, 1969, astronaut Neil Armstrong climbed down a ladder and put his feet on the surface of the moon. Now, in an address, President Richard Nixon said, the greatest event in human history occurred when man first put his foot on the moon. (laughs) Astronaut Hale Irwin responded to Nixon's comments. He said, the most significant achievement of our age is not that man stood on the moon, but rather that God in Christ stood on the earth. And that, that is the greatest news of all history, and that's the message that the angels delivered.
2: Well, you know, they delivered the first announcements to these shepherds, but why the shepherds? I mean, they certainly were not ordinary shepherds, apparently. What was so special about these folks?
1: Well, this group of shepherds took care of the lambs that were used in the temple. There's a written record of the Jewish oral tradition called the Mishnah. It's also known as the oral Torah. The Mishnah stipulates that all the flocks be kept in the wilderness except for the flocks used for the temple services, which were kept at Bethlehem. Now think about that, Dr. Hill. These shepherds had the responsibility of being the caretakers of the sacrificial lambs, many of which would be Passover lambs. And they had the responsibility to take care of these sacrificial Passover lambs when the ultimate Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, was born.
2: Wow! so the ones who took care of the Sacrifices that were made showing forth the truth that Christ would be the sacrifice, yes. the only ultimate sacrifice, it was these fellows, and they were outcasts, weren't they?
1: Well, yes. At the time of Jesus, shepherds were despised. You know, that wasn't always the case, though. In the Old Testament, David was a shepherd, Moses was a shepherd. Back then, being a shepherd was a great profession. But in this time, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious rulers despised shepherds. And the reason they despised the shepherds was because the shepherds couldn't keep all of their religious rules to be religiously pure, according to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the religious leaders, you had to do all of this ceremonial washing and keep all of these rules. And shepherds, they had to work outside in the fields, and they couldn't keep all the rules. And you know, that's sad that we have the same kind of things today. Religion, man-made tradition, just ruins people. Religion is man trying to earn his way into heaven. I heard a preacher say one time, religion is spelled d-o christianity is spelled d-o-n-e because jesus did it all
2: very good well there's so much good bible teaching in your book the nativity i think everyone listening should get a copy so why don't you tell us how to do so
1: Well, Dr. Hill, you can order the book on the website at swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Or you can call toll-free 1-800-652-1144. That number again, 1-800-652-1144. And I want to tell all our listeners that in addition to the Nativity, our publisher, Beacon Street Press, has a special bundle offer. We have put together my book, The Nativity, along with your book, Dr. Hill, uh, Classic Christmas, which is a collection of First Advent devotionals, stories, recipes, great ideas for the entire family. Right now they can get what we call the First Advent Bundle. That's the Nativity and the Classic Christmas for a gift of $25 or more. And they can get that right now by calling 1-800-652-1144 or order online at swrc.org. Dr. Hill, thanks for visiting with me today.
2: Well, I was going to say thank you as well. (laughs) Next time, James Collins, you and I will continue our conversation about the nativity. So I ask our listeners to join us as we discuss the mystery of the McDowell Heather.
1: Hey, I'm looking forward to it, Dr. Hill. Thank
0: you. Get the Nativity as part of our Christmas special. In this first Advent bundle, you get James Collins' book, The Nativity, and Dr. Kenneth Hill's book, A Classic Christmas. Order your Christmas bundle today by calling 1-800-652-1144. You can also order online at swrc.com. if you're new to the program, be sure to request our free new listener pack. The new listener pack officially welcomes you to the family, gives you some history on the ministry, and it includes a free gift just for you. Request your new listener pack when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Pastor Larry is back ready to answer another Bible question. Pastor Larry, is the COVID vaccine mandate the mark of the beast?
3: This is a question that many people are asking. Those who don't take the vaccine and refuse to be jabbed are being penalized. They're losing their jobs, being dishonorably discharged from the military, even though they have put in many years of service. The vaccine mandate is being imposed on Americans big time. Doctors and nurses who were praised just a few months ago for their sacrificial work are now being demonized and fired. These are medical workers, doctors and nurses who don't want the vaccine. Why is that? Is there something wrong with it? Is it harmful? The refusal of medical personnel to refuse the vaccine, even if it means losing their jobs and livelihoods, is a powerful warning against anyone taking the vaccine. The mark of the beast is an identifying mark that indicates one's allegiance to the Antichrist. It is basically an issue of worship. Revelation 13:15 says, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak, and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Revelation 13, 18 mentions the number 666. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six, 666. The purpose of revealing the number of the beast is to warn tribulation saints, That when the name of the beast appears in numbers highly likely in a computerized society watch out danger lurks but does the vaccine mandate the mark of the beast as recorded in revelation chapter 13 i don't believe so the mandate has several parallels with the mark of the beast but i don't believe it is the mark as described in the bible we are certainly not living in the tribulation the mark of the beast is part of the tribulation scenario and its imposition is a tribulation event, but we're not yet in the tribulation. I believe, however, that it is conditioning our society to take the mark of the beast in the future. Furthermore, I believe that the vaccine mandate is evil and has all the characteristics of something that has a satanic origin and a satanic design, namely, the control of the masses and the destruction of liberty and freedom. So while the vaccine mandate is not the mark of the beast, it does have some frightening similarities. Those who are promoting it are revealing their sinister agenda. The vaccine mandate is being promoted by people who hate Christianity, despise the Bible, and have declared war on the unborn. It is being promoted by those who hate America and our godly heritage. They are doing everything they can to destroy this country. Why, for example, are we gutting our military at a time when we are in great danger from China? Supposedly, the vaccine mandate that is being imposed on servicemen and women is for the sake of military readiness, but removing 30 or 40 percent of our military because they would not take a highly experimental vaccine in no way promotes military readiness. It exposes America to great danger. Both China and Russia have test-fired hypersonic weapons. We have nothing comparable, nor do we have adequate defenses against such weapons. The number of casualties in America that could result from an attack would far exceed anything caused by COVID-19. Why is our Democrat-run government pursuing such a dangerous course that puts every American in danger? The Pentagon mandates 17 vaccines for active-duty service members, however, There are exemptions for each. Pregnant women who are service personnel are exempt. However, pregnant women are not being allowed an exemption when it comes to the COVID vaccine, nor are those who have a natural immunity considered exempt. The COVID pandemic is being used against God-fearing people, American patriots and normal people who react against being manipulated and corralled by big government decrees. Psychiatric experts agree that 2020 and 2021 demonstrated a textbook example of social conditioning. The process of training individuals in a society to respond in a manner approved by the society in general and peer pressure groups within that society in particular. The COVID vaccine mandate is not the mark of the beast, but it is training a submissive society To become even more submissive in a society ruled by elites. In the next presidential election, we need to hold bureaucrats accountable by voting them out of office and bringing charges against as many as is legally feasible. The eyes of the world are on America. Let's face it, friends, we are losing more and more of our freedoms every day. Security cameras, surveillance of your financial transactions, radio frequency spy chips hidden in consumer products, tracking of your internet searches and eavesdropping on your email and phone calls is becoming more and more commonplace. Without your knowledge or consent, every aspect of your life is observed and recorded. But who is watching the watchers? An ultra-secret global elite functioning as a very real shadow government, controls technology, finance, international law, world trade, political power, and a vast military capability. An ultra-secret global elite, functioning as a very real shadow government, controls technology, finance, international law, world trade, political power, and a vast military. Those who hold power are invisible to all but a few insiders. These unrevealed leaders answer to no earthly authority, and they won't stop until they control the world. Their real hatred is focused against the gospel of Jesus Christ. Human values, decency, and respect for natural law are all being eroded by movers and shakers who want to destroy you, your families, and your children. The war is on. Fight back. Resist tyranny. Resistance to tyrants is our sacred duty. Pray for revival. Seek the power of the Holy Spirit. Worship God in spirit and in truth. Get the Nativity as part of
0: our Christmas special. In this first Advent bundle, you get James Collins' book, The Nativity, and Dr. Kenneth Hill's book, A Classic Christmas. Order your Christmas bundle today by calling 1-800-652-1144. You can also order online swrc.com. Tomorrow, James Collins and Kenneth Hill continue looking at the lasting significance of the nativity. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily podcast. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.